Hey everybody, <laughs> welcome to F-Bomb, the podcast, episode something. Right on. I think this is episode number six, officially. Cool. Uh, we got Mr. Dave Brooks here with me today. What's up, y'all? In the apartment. I think the last time Dave was in my apartment, it was a little different. A lot different, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to get into that. No, but right where you are sitting, a lot of things happen. A lot of things, yeah. yeah. A lot of weird things happen. It was good times, though. Yeah, you know, definitely. It's just it's probably a good thing that it came to us an end. It, everything does <laughs> in due time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those were some days. All right, so um, Dave Brooks, as everybody knows, is the drummer of Honor Among Thieves. Been in that doing that thing for quite some time. How long's how long's it been? Uh, I think this September it's going to be what 14, 14 years. Wow, man! You guys, 50, it'll be fifteen in September. Yeah, I always say you're the only band that survived the famous Steve Blush compilation to live not on without, to today. Not without some uh, lineup changes. That's true, but remaining the same band. Yeah, you know, I mean. That's a pretty admirable thing to keep going after all that Thanks, time. Thanks, sir. It, it ain't easy keeping a band together. Tell me about it. I know. You, I mean, you know. I think I'm secure at the moment. Yeah. I think we're good for now. But, you know, lineup changes. I think you are, too. Yeah. It's, it's unavoidable. It happens. Life gets in the way. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes that we put out yet. We, I have not. We just no. started posting I them. I like, didn't even know they were out yet. So. Yeah, we did one. I posted one about two weeks ago. That was the Mike Sauce like te- test episode, right? And today I posted Crystal Durant interview. Oh, cool! I gotta I gotta go home and listen to them. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's they're fun. Tommy Von Voigt's editing everything, and he's putting in little music cues and things like that. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. So, like, basically, we're doing this. I want to like promote F Bomb, but at the same time, I want everyone that's been in F Bomb or just New York City musicians to be able to tell their stories. Right on. Well, you've kind of always been that way. I mean, you know, you're one of the few people for as long as I've been in the scene that has been a true supporter, you know, of the scene, not just whatever you happen to be doing or talking to people about whatever they happen to be doing, but, you know, supporting the scene and how it all ties together and relates. That, that's pretty admirable. Thanks, man. I mean, it's a passion of mine, I guess. You know, I got, Good. In, I got introduced to this thing a long time ago and I'm still here, you know. It's Good. Just, yeah. It's not really a choice. It's a life, you know. Um, but... Let's uh, let's go back to the beginning, man. I mean, you're known around town as a drummer, yeah, and as a guy that hangs out a lot and yeah. does a lot of things and shows up to a lot of shows and hangs out and parties and just lives like your life. Um, but uh, where did you uh, where'd you grow up? Where were you born? I mean, I grew up right here in New York City. You know, I was born in the Bronx, Bronx okay. Lebanon Hospital, right? And uh, yeah, I grew up in East Harlem. My dad was a nightclub owner, so I was around music uh, from a very young age. Oh, really? I didn't really know that. I think you might have mentioned that to me before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did a bunch of things, but there was definitely, I mean, the the period of time that I think had the greatest influence on me was uh, him being a nightclub owner and me, you know, being being young. I mean, I was, what, nine or ten years old or so, somewhere in there. Right. You know, seeing artists like Wilson Pickett and Jimmy Castro Bunch and Sly Sly Stone and stuff like that. So you were born into the lifestyle. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my dad was... uh, you know, the other side of it would be, you know, obviously pretending to be asleep and, you know, mom and dad are kind of partying in the living room. Sure. And yeah. I'm definitely not asleep. Looking down from the top of the stairs or whatever the situation may be. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So, like, where where was your dad's club? Uh, it was a place called Barron's Lounge. It was on 132nd Street and Lenox Avenue. Okay. Um, you know, it was back in the 70s, kind of in a, I don't know if you can call it heyday of Harlem, but Harlem was well, a- 
Depends on how you see things. Yeah, I mean, you know, depending on what heyday means to I you. Think you and I both have like a nostalgic feel for the 1970s. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know the 70s were not just you know. I loved New York in the 70s. It was dirty. It was seedy. It was dangerous, and we didn't care. No, we didn't know any better. Yeah, but it was also the golden age of rock and roll. I mean, I think some of the greatest rock bands that have ever played music and possibly may ever ever will play music came out of that period of time. Quite possible. I mean. You know, even in the recent decade, there was something to do every fucking night. We can go out oh, and uh, absolutely. every night of the week there was something going on. It and, was, uh, uh, I can remember, you know, you'd go out. You didn't even, uh, well, there were no cell phones, so you didn't call your friends. Or, yeah, maybe you beeped them and yeah, like, you gave them 911. <laughs> yeah, you'd just go out. A lot of times you go to the club and, uh, you know, you weren't particularly going to see any one band. You were just going to see who was playing. Yeah, and it was constantly something good to do oh, every absolutely. single day. And now, you know, and now there isn't. Things are weird. <laughs> things are different. You know. Yeah, it's 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 very different. Uh, you know, you used to be able. First of all, you know, there were a lot more venues. I mean, you used to be able to go to you know a show and just walk from you know CBGBs to to Gildersleeves or to Mud Club or Continental. Yeah. Anywhere, go to yeah. the west side and go to the, do that circuit or Absolutely. whatever. You know, I remember going, you know, popping out from Wawa Hut to go to Scrap Bar and then just see what the hell's going uh, on. Absolutely, Scrap Bar, man. There are nights there that I can, I think my only memories are like walking in the door. Yeah, <laughs> I remember something about the Mystic Riders being there and video games in the back. Yeah, and, yeah it's like uh, a little, uh, it's a little hazy. Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, you know, I think all, all both of our shared memories are going to, be a little hazy. Maybe we could put the story together as as the two of us. We can yeah. piece it together like Sherlock and Watson. Well, I think, you know, that's part of the fun part. I mean, definitely, um, I know for you and I, you know, I remember the time we realized that we'd known each other a lot longer than we actually thought. Right. You know, start talking about times and hanging out here and there. And you're like, oh, wow, you were there. I was there. Blah, blah, blah. So, um I don't. I don't know how we originally did meet first I, time. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, no way. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it had something to do with the bar. Um, I'm assuming it does. <laughs> I mean, I know we've you know we've known each other longer than both of our bands. Oh yeah. You know, and and uh, we've enjoyed a great friendship. You know, enjoying. I think part of that is this passion for rock and roll, this passion for music, and this passion for music that comes out of New York City. You know? Yeah, definitely. And you know, we're still at it. So yeah, I don't us. think we're never going to stop. Not until they drag us away. But tell me, um, growing up, your dad owned a nightclub. Yep. What did your mother do? Uh, she worked in banks. Okay. You know, I mean, she started out as a as a bank teller and worked her way up to being an officer in the bank. And, uh, uh, you know, she she worked in banks, and uh, it was an interesting dichotomy because she wasn't really digging the... Uh, the whole nightlife thing. The whole nightlife thing, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing on my yeah. side. I, I love my mom very much, but she is definitely, you know, she's the type of person who's like, if you don't wear a shirt and a tie to work, it's not a real job. Okay. Well, things have changed, right? Yeah. But uh, I understand. I know the I know the life. I know yeah. that kind of yeah. attitude. Um, so growing up, um, what kind of music was playing around the house? I mean, I'm assuming since there was this nightclub going on that that was kind of like the music that was happening. Yeah, I grew up on a... I grew up on a lot of like soul and gospel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, I, I grew up on artists like, like I said, like Sly Stone and uh, Roberta Flack, Mahalia Jackson, right? Um, uh, the Jimmy Castro bunch. Uh, you know, which 
So it sounds like your mother was kind of into the whole churchy thing. Uh, she was. She always yeah. has been. Uh, my dad, I don't know if he was really into it or if he was just kind of appeasing her. Right. But a lot of these artists, you know, they played his club. Okay. Also. Uh, I mean, amazing musicians. You know, Aretha you know. Franklin, you know, uh, I could, I could go on, you know, countless artists from that era. You know, like I personally don't have any time in my life for religion, but I don't either. A lot of people that play music that is de- devotional music, I mean, gospel or reggae, they can play. And oh, like, yeah. you can hear the same stuff, you know, in that in in added in secular music, but whatever. Oh, absolutely. You hear some of these church musicians. Yeah. You they're know, and they're badass motherfucker. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm like, "Holy shit, I got to go practice." Word. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Sometimes you might be a little distracted with other yeah. things at church you guys don't get to go do that all. Yeah. Well, that's usually the case. I mean, um, you know, like I'm I'm with you. I don't really have a lot of time for religion. Don't believe in it, but I'm certainly not going to uh condemn somebody else for their beliefs. Sure. Or, Just don't tell me what to do with my life. You know, right. That's basically my stance. It's like if you want to do that, you know, God right. bless you. <laughs> yeah. And then you you know, when you look at the music aspect of it, and you start listening to it, and, you know, there's like vocal lines that are like, you know, six, seven, eight, ten part harmonies. Sure. And, I mean, you know, religion is probably the birthplace of what music Gregorian chants and all that is. Absolutely, it's got to you know, gives rise plays a role. Yeah. It's far out to think about it, but uh, yeah, you know, it's funny how things change and mutate over the years. So I don't know. I think. You have a sister? I do have a sister, right. right. She's uh she lives in North Carolina. Okay. I think. And uh she is uh she's a lot more religious than I am. Okay. Um but not like the, you know, crazy, you know, subway rising riding, fire and brimstone screaming right. lunatic. She's I, that's just her faith and that's her thing. Uh but she also, you know, she digs rock and roll and she Hey man, know, it's, the two are not inseparable. Absolutely not, you know, and I don't think you can judge somebody or look at somebody and go, Oh man, when you go to church or you're you're really religious, how can you call yourself a rocker? That's that's bullshit. Yeah. Plus, you know, things change in people's lives. You one, one has nothing to do with the other. Perspectives change, and uh, your point of view can shift over the years. And, and uh, yeah, you can get more tolerant or less tolerant, I guess. And but, I mean, one, you know, and one really does have it has nothing to do with the other. It should. You can have faith and still, you know, still love to run. Well, that's the one thing about music. It's like a magical thing where any it's a music is a language anybody can understand and oh, yeah. like transcends everything yeah I mean, basically music. it's like the only thing i've said before is like the only thing in the world that to me is actually like that's magic it comes out of nowhere and you can it, yeah you know, know. It comes out of your it, um hopefully it comes out of your soul it comes out of you know wherever your head is at your head and your heart and uh your mind at that particular moment when you're writing a song or performing a song um it you know one I'm nodding th- my head, but you can't yeah. see that. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it comes from. I mean, one of the, one of the things for me when the band is writing, um, I don't like to know the lyrics until, like, we pretty much got musically down what I'm going to be playing or something because I kind of feel like it affects the way I see the song. Okay. And I want to I want to play the song the way it's striking me. I hear I want, you. I want the emotion that I'm feeling to come out. Not okay. And sometimes I feel knowing the lyrics a little too soon kind of uh, takes away from that. Really. I mean, like, you know, I tend to try to write in real time as people like if Joe is te- teaching dance a riff, 
I'll be writing right then and there. Right. So that, like, by the time that they're learning the riff, I have something. Maurice does that, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's for every band member, it's different how right. they approach the song. Some obviously. people bring in finished material and say, here, singer, go come back with some lyrics. Or right. other bands, maybe even they come back with the lyrics for you. I don't know how yeah. that works. But. That's, that's exactly how we operate. Um, Maurice, you know, he writes the majority of the lyrics. Every once in a while, somebody else kicks out some lyrics or mm. something. But, uh you know, when we're playing the song and when, when it's when the structure's kind of together and now we're cleaning it up and so on, it's not really important for me to know the words at that point. Okay. Because you know, I'm, I'm kind of designing my part, uh, drum parts and fills and the rhythm that I want to play based on the emotion I'm feeling that this piece of music is, is you know, giving me that, that how I'm being struck by it. Sure. So, I mean, I, I kind of have a structure to these interviews where I ask certain questions to everybody. Cool. And like one of the ones is I say, um, what's the first piece of music that you purchased for yourself? What's the first 45 or whatever? Wow. The first thing you can remember intentionally like being like, I want that. I'm going to go out and buy that. And if you can't remember the exact thing, you know, give wow. me an example. That's, uh, that's, that's, going, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I come back. Um, it might be, uh, man, let's see if I can remember the name of the song. I'm, I'm pretty sure I seem to have a memory of... Uh, Buying a, a Joe Tex forty five. Wow, that, Joe Tex in the Joe, disco. Joe Tex, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know that. Um, and I can't remember the name of the song. It had, you know, I had that kind of wild scream. It was like get down, beginning. get funky. It was like, wow, oh, yeah. you got me. You shouldn't. Have, I can't remember the lyrics, but I, we'll have Tommy Von Voigt punch that song in right there. Perfect. I'm there just you giving go. you a live cue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that was. That's I know the one you're talking about. Remember. I yeah. think that was the first like 45 that I bought on All my right, own. that's pretty badass. Yep. I mean, now like this is like to me like the moment when people start being aware of music and saying yeah. I, I I'm not just listening to the radio, I'm not just listening to my parents' records. There's something I want. You know what I'm saying? So like, what kind of brought you into becoming a musician? Like, uh. You know, I'd always, I'd always loved music, and I mean, as, even as a kid, um, I was banging on the pots and pans, or you know, I'd set up my uh, my, my basketballs and maybe that red rubber dodgeball that everybody had that we oh, swing sure. at each other and try to knock each other out with. <laughs> yep. And, you know, yep. And uh, I'd set them up, and uh, you know, I'd get some some sticks, a piece of wood, or knives and forks, whatever I, that simulated a drumstick, and I'd bang, I'd beat on them and bang them. And uh, in the sixth grade, I, I distinctly remember as the sixth grade, my school introduced this music program, uh, and everybody was taking separate classes. So there was a guitar class, okay. there was a drum class, there was so a like trumpet band class. class, right? Yeah. And yeah. we're all learning the same couple of songs, and we were going to form an orchestra, right? And I right away graduated, gravitated, I should say, to the drum class. Uh-huh. And uh, the very first piece of music that I ever learned to play on the drums. Uh, the first two pieces of music were uh, the Empire State March, okay. which I can still play note for note to this day, All right. and Girl from Ipanema. Okay, well, that's a good one if you're stuck in an elevator. Yeah, and, you know, that that's... One. That, I think that's the, the orchestra was learning this stuff, so these were the songs that I had to learn to play. 
Sure. It's, we all start somewhere, man. It's kind of cool because every time I hear that song, it takes me back to sixth grade. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's like when you're first learning how to play music, you get, like, I remember taking uh, piano lessons and guitar lessons, and it was like jet, uh, leaving on a jet plane. Right. Or just like whatever the old lady that was teaching me thought was like pop right. music, you know? But, um, you know, you, you got to start somewhere. And, uh, no, that was, you know, I, I, uh, it's funny I tell people that and they kind of make this face. I mean, I have no shame about it, man. I can still play Girl from Ipanema. It's a good song. Yeah. Right. Solid, I, man. You know, I get stuck in, you get caught in a lot of elevators, you know, it comes on. It's <laughs> like, know. cool, I'm in sixth grade again. It just reminds me of, uh, the Blues Brothers when they're stuck in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. So, like, when did you start being serious about getting kit? Getting your shit together, uh, like you know, it you took have, it took a little while, you know, you had to convince I mean, your parents to like buy all, you some drums. We were or, poor, uh, you know, so yep. there wasn't money, right, uh, for that. And uh, one of the things, you know, in this drum class, you know, we started out just playing on snare drum and playing doing rudiments. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next step, we wanted to advance, was to get a drum kit, right, and start learning drum kit. And we didn't have any money for that. My parents didn't have any money for that, and my mom was definitely. Not down with that. Yeah, she was definitely not yeah. down with that. I can and, see uh, so passion away in an apartment. There was a while somewhere. there where it didn't happen. Yeah, you know. And uh, dad came home with a drum kit one time. Wow. Mom filed for divorce. Really? Is that is that <laughs> I, what happened? I, I don't was know you, how Dave? much of a part it played, but I definitely know that they happened around the same time. Wow. Was it just because of the sounds, so, or just because? You know? um, yeah, I mean, if you know me, you know I'm I'm a loud person. You're, I've always been a loud. Yeah, you're person. a heavy hitter too. Um, yeah, and uh, you know what kid you say? Hey, stop playing those drums and go to bed. Yeah, what kid listens to that? No, right. I mean, even if it's in your bedroom, right? Is you that what you set up? Yeah, yeah. You know, you get up at the crack of dawn and you're banging the drums before breakfast. And sure. Before you go to school. I'm sure, the neighbors must have loved you. No, they. That was a less. That was the first lesson in uh, the hardest part of being a drummer in New York City. <laughs> yeah, you got to find a private place, man. Yeah. But um, you know, you got to start. Yeah, that was yeah. That was about a couple of years after I started playing. I, I got a drum kit, and uh, so you just started playing on your own, and like yeah, um, getting your chops together. By the time you know, by that time, my my drum teacher had moved on, and uh, there wasn't money for private lessons, mm-hmm. so I was just banging on them myself, and uh, I would play along to records, jam out to records, right? So like, what kind of stuff were you working exactly. on? Exactly. Um, oh, good God, all kinds of stuff. Uh, by this time, I guess you know I, was, I I had discovered rock and roll. Okay, because I was going to say it sounds like you got your your education was in the soul, it, and it R&B definitely was, area. and uh, it's and it still is. Um, but I discovered rock and roll. Okay, Do you know I, what you discovered? Yeah, I discovered Led Zeppelin. Okay, and I heard you know John Bonham's drums. Uh-huh. And I was that was me. I had to be that. Right. You were like, uh, wow, this guy's got some something going on. Yeah, and I mean, you know, as a young kid, I kind of. You know, without like a whole lot of formal training. So the first thing I noticed was, man, this is heavy. Mm-hmm. So to me, that translated in, I got to hit hard and be loud. Like, right. Yeah. Well, that's Don yeah. Bonham right there for you. Yeah. Uh, he's badass. But, uh, you know, um, and then it went on. I mean, I discovered, uh, you know, my, uh, my best friend at the time, Ben, played guitar. And, uh, I guess we were about 13 or 14. Okay. Or somewhere in there. And uh, he had a, as this band going in school, so I told him I was this great drummer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Metallica started. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we started playing, and it was, you know, we were doing, like, you know, Judas Priest covers and... Cool, and, man. Uh, stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, the first rock song that I played with a band was definitely, it was either, I can't remember which one, but it was either Living After Midnight or Breaking the Law. That's good timing, so right around 1980, 1982 in there. Oh, absolutely. 80, yeah, that's 80, right? Pretty uh, Steel? Yeah, yeah Pretty Steel. 79, I don't know. It's around there. Yeah. Priest's still kicking it. I'm going to go see them soon. Absolutely. Down that's a that's a great source of pride, something I, I love that they're still kicking it. Yeah, man. That they're still doing it. And that, you know. Uh, lineup says, changes. Lineup changes. <laughs> it happens. But it says a lot about the music that, uh, you know, it stands this test of time. Definitely metal has shown that it's going to be around forever. Oh, absolutely. It's not going to be the biggest thing ever. But, I but mean, it's always going to be a thing. Yeah, plus the bands touring are still the biggest things going. I mean. Yeah. Although, slowing down. I guess. I don't know how much slowing down there is. I mean, you know, some of them are, but I mean, you know, Iron Maiden's riding around 747. Yeah, good for them. You know, <laughs> taking taking metal to the world. Damn straight. You know, uh, you know, metal and rock and roll. I mean, uh, did uh, everybody expected the Guns N' Roses resurgence would be this big thing? Yeah. Um, I'm I mean, not sure anybody expected it to be as big as it has become. I mean, and definitely doing well for them, right? Absolutely. I mean, Kudos to our buddy Frank for getting in on that. Absolutely, you know, right on to Frank. Uh, great, another you know, great drummer and a great friend. I think sure, uh, you know he's played with you a bunch of times. Yeah, he did a few shows with us, and he's going to produce our our record that right we're on. working on now. So that's pretty cool. Right on. That's a Vance thing. He hooked that up. Right, know. no, Frank is that guy too. You know, he's one of us that like you know yeah. is still you know yeah he's playing drums and Guns N' Roses, but he's still part of the New York rock and roll community. I think he knows that. Yeah. He's very lucky to have stumbled into this job, and, you know, he also oh, yeah. knows where he comes from. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Um, talking about where we come from, segue, did you get a lot of, like, resistance growing up in Harlem, being a black man and being into rock and roll music? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I got a lot of resistance from that. I think a part, a big part of it was, you know, I went to private school. Okay. It was like my dad's master plan here right. was that I was going to go to private school, and I would meet, you know, the well-off white kids and right. make the friendships and uh, kind of set up a life and be. Little did he know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it backfired just a touch. Yeah, I, just a little. The one bit. thing I did learn was never start at the bottom. Like, okay, <laughs> try to start as close to the top yeah. as you can. Get to the middle first and then uh, swim. Yeah, <laughs> but because you know these were the kids I was around and going to school with and growing up with, so sure. this was the music that you know I was around all the time and. Yeah, I fell in love with it. I'm still in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's a good or a bad thing the way it happened. It just did. It and, is what it is. You know, I love I love other forms of music. I love gospel. I love uh, I like hip hop. Uh, I like music if it's done well. Sure, that's really the criteria. There is really no difference between different kinds of music except right. good and bad. Same with people. Yeah, you know exactly. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny. I catch myself listening uh, listening to country sometimes. Hey, man, and, if it's good country from right, like, then, the right, right time period, I'm down. Well, that's it. I'm listening to it because it's done well. Yeah. The, you have know. you seen this show, uh, Tales from the Tour Bus thing? No, that I Mike Judge seen it. does. No, it's it's like an animated like short documentaries about famous like country western performers. It's really good. I gotta check it out. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, all right, moving on. <laughs> Dave's growing up. Dave's got a drum kit. Dave's getting jamming with his buddy, Ben. Ben, yeah. And uh, when did you have your first band? When was your first show? Uh, what was your first thing that you did put out there? Wow. Um, 
I don't think you know when Ben and I were playing together. It was a, it was a band called uh, called uh, Stained Glass. Okay, and uh, most of the members. I think one of the members has passed has passed on, but uh, actually, you know, ben, ben and I are still in touch. We're still great friends. Okay. Um, and a couple of the other members of that band uh, I've reconnected with through the magic of Facebook. Yes. <laughs> so on. The... And uh, I'm trying to remember that band. Did I play any shows with that band? Yeah, we. I'm sure we did, you know, the high school gymnasium thing. Right. Like the talent show. Right. Yeah. And so on like that. Um, and uh, it wasn't until a while later, Ben and I formed another band. Uh, hmm. I'd done a few things. Like uh, through through the uh, 80s. Right. And so on like that. And then Ben and I formed a band called uh, Wired Automatic. Okay. And uh, when was this? Uh, that had to be, when was Wired Automatic? 90s, okay. late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s maybe. Right. Or so on. And uh, that band did a bunch of shows. Okay. Um, okay. Until uh, the singer moved to D.C., uh-huh. Or whatever. I don't know what happened. We went our separate ways. So I know that you were an EMT for a long time. Yeah. So when did all this happen while the music thing was going on? Was this the 80s or was this later? Yeah, this was the 80s. Um, being an EMT was a um, uh, great job. Heavy experience, I'm heavy, sure. Yeah, yeah, it was heavy heavy duty experience. Life and death situations. Um, but I'd always played music. Uh-huh. Uh, music was, you know... Something I always wanted, but I was also aware of the fact that I needed to make a living. Sure. You know. Uh, some musicians never get that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, some get lucky and don't have to learn that. But uh, And some don't. And some, you know, I I, uh, I value my, my space and my, my uh, you know, my, my personal time and so on. So I wasn't really looking for a situation where I was going to, you know, have, have, you know, five roommates. Right. Yeah, well, you know, it's okay when you're young, I guess, but when you get a bit around our age you kind of want to have your own thing yeah you know no uh no insult towards anyone else who's chose to live their life a certain way but you know it's nice to have your home to go home to absolutely yeah so uh music you know kind of i'm not going to say it had to take a back seat Mm -hmm. um, because i don't think of it that way sure but i definitely had to earn a living yeah you know and i had to and it's so it's kind of hard uh I kind of tried to schedule my life. I mean, when I was an EMT, I worked a midnight shift, mm-hmm. you know, so that I could make rehearsals, you know, with the guys at, at 7 or 8 o'clock or at 9 o'clock or something like that, and I wasn't exhausted. I can imagine that that was a taxing job, psychologically uh, and yeah. physically. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it also brought a lot of uh, music helped a lot in that also. Mm-hmm. Music kind of takes you away. Sure. And uh, lets, you, uh, lets you release a lot of uh, emotion. Definitely, man. And I'm sure after you see certain things on the streets, you're going to want to get that out. Oh, yeah. Or just put it away. Sure. You know, uh, so you, f- you lose yourself in a song, something that makes you happy or right on. takes you back to a, a memory or a time in your life when you felt uh, better about things. Yeah. Or worse. I mean, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, we've had Alex Rudin here for his interview. Right. And uh, for some crazy reason, I completely forgot that, like, his singer... And Monolith did all that crazy shit. Yeah. And like oh, yeah. halfway through the interview, I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that oh, yeah. Happened. Let's talk about that. <laughs> but uh, I do know that you and Alex had a band, and I don't know where that fits in with your 
chronology of yeah. bands. Uh, that was, was that sort of after. Yeah, actually, the, uh, the thing I, I forgot what you in, called it. The, uh, the previous uh, band. The, the, the one uh, with ben. Wired Automatic. Wired thing. Automatic. Yeah. Yeah. After Wired Automatic, I had a band called uh, Strain. Mm-hmm. So I was working a uh, part time at uh, this uh, place called the Off Wall Street Jam. Okay. And it was basically this guy that kind of put put together jam and rehearsal sessions for Wall Street types, uh-huh. you know, who didn't have a lot of time and something like that. So he supplied all the gear and he supplied everything. And you would go and you'd sign up and you'd fill out this questionnaire about what type of music you liked. And he kind of matched you with other musicians that were into similar things. Okay. And once a month, you uh, he'd put on these showcases. So me and my friend Bruce would work in there and uh, we were... Uh, we were... <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all right. You it's don't know what's going on. Rock and roll, man. You don't, right. For the listeners, Natalia's climbing up behind me across the futon and into the bedroom because the in studio the is taking onesie. up the living room. Yes. In the, in the hedgehog onesie. That is yes. the important part. <laughs> that was a Christmas present. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bruce and I were working at this place. and uh, Brucifer? No, actually. Oh. Uh, uh, different Bruce. A guy named Bruce Hubbard. Okay. Um, we formed a band along with a couple of other friends uh, called Strain. Okay. And that band uh, played out a lot, traveled a lot, um, released a CD. Well, there weren't CDs then, I think. It was, or there were, but we, didn't have, any, we didn't have any money to make them. So, okay. yeah, it was cassette tapes. We did make CDs because I remember Bruce and I uh, breaking into the recording studio upstairs to duplicate CDs. Okay, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had it on, everything was on a zip disk, and you had to bring it upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, when Strain ended, uh, Bruce was living in my house um, for a while as he was going through some life changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was staying with me, and Strain en- ended, and he and I went to see this uh, singer, this female singer, this girl, Roxy. And uh, she was great, and I wasn't really looking to do anything else. I was kind of hoping that Bruce and I would rekindle this band or something like that and we got back to the house and bruce just looks at me and he's like man if you don't start a band with her you're a fucking idiot okay and that became and that became lick um roxy and i set off to find guitar players and uh you know it was, it was still the good old days of ads in the village voice yeah the good old days and uh alex mm. rude answered the ad and we met and uh i don't even think we listened to anybody else Okay. I think, you know, we heard Alex play, and we were like, he's the guy right there. And that pretty much, you know, solidified Alex's mind friendship right there. That's cool, man. You got any uh, music from Strain still in uh, yeah, possession? Yeah, I do have some music from Strain. Uh, you think you could send it over? So yeah, yeah, I can get it. Chop it into the show? Sure, I can get it All right, to you. All right, cool. So, Absolutely. like, why don't we play a track from Strain right now, and we'll take a little break, and we'll come on back. Sound good? Sounds good, yeah, man. All right. We'll be back in a bit. This is some Strain with Dave Brooks. Feeling down, 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 and a little distraught. You're staring at your tongue in the mirror in your room, and you're wondering what it was that you caught. So, rock out! <laughs> 
was your prey to pull the cancer from your grandma's chest And though you try, you know she ended up dead And you're feeling blue, blue, blue and a little abused Cause even though you read the label on the side of the pills You're still not really showing you, yeah Feeling sad and a little alone 
Hello, hello, and we're back. And we're back. Pick the chips back up. <laughs> Perfect timing. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Estrada in the studio today with the chips. <laughs> anyway. I, uh, I was going to do the voice, but I can't. <laughs> is there an Eric Estrada voice? No, 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 no. Good point. I was just trying was to remember. Like, if oh, I come back it. here with my. I was just trying to remember. It's like a catchphrase or something he always said. You know, we could make a joke out of, but uh, clearly not. I am Eric Estrada. Come back here. I am chasing you. <laughs> Nobody ever got shot on chips. Did they? They're all on motorcycles. It's hard to hit somebody. I don't ever think they even took their guns out. I had the action figures. I did. I did. Yep. I did. I wanted them for the motorcycles, but I mean, I had Yeah, I mean, I would would switch things up. You know, like I'd get the uh, Planet of the Apes machine guns and give them to the Chips guys. The SWAT SWAT guys would have their other stuff. And, you know, the the culmination of that was when I took Gene Simmons' outfit off and put it on Han Solo. (laughs) 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 See, when I was a kid... I had the Kiss dolls. I think you had right. the big ones. Yeah. And I realized that the paint on top of the Kiss dolls was just a layer of paint. Right. So I thought if I scraped that shit off with a knife that I could see what Kiss looked like. <laughs> <laughs> so I destroyed my Kiss doll. Nice. Well done. Yes. Excellent. And it turns out that Paul Stanley's head was actually like a Ken doll. <laughs> with hair. With hair. A Ken yeah. doll with hair. Yes. That's I'm sure he's it. happy about that. Uh, it's if probably... anybody wants to be a Ken doll, it would be Paul Stanley. I think Ken had two ears. I think that that's the problem. <laughs> anyway, I guess Paul has two ears now because he's real so. rich. Yeah. He bought, the, he bought the other one. Yes, he did. That's what he was working for that whole time, I suppose. Well, you know, he had Gene saving money up for him. for. <laughs> he's good at that. For getting an ear. <laughs> I'm not going to make any Jewish jokes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stay away from it. <laughs> that's all right, Dave. We can joke around with each other. Class act here. <laughs> okay, so back to... <laughs> Back to the interview. Enough uh, enough toy talk. This is toy talk with Dave Brooks and Super Morgan. Yeah, we had some interesting toys. <laughs> They're way better than the toys people have today. Way. Just way, like I, the music and everything. I do have to go with that. I do have to agree with that. Absolutely. The cell phones were better back in the 70s. Yeah, because they weren't. They didn't exist. I was, I was explaining to somebody. I think I was doing a show somewhere and I was explaining. Uh, you know, back in the 70s. The whole thing about not cell phones is like not having cell phones. Like if you met a girl and you liked her and she liked you and she gave you her number, mm-hmm. you better remember that shit. Don't let her catch you writing it down. Like, yeah. Well, you could write it on your hand, I suppose. Yeah. But you don't. But not in front of her. Like no, you'd no, wait for yeah. her to walk away and then write. I mean, it down I only quick, remember but... my own phone number now. That's right. it. I don't even remember any other phone numbers to be honest. No. I don't know my mother's phone number. I don't know my job phone number. Nope. I, I kind of know my mother's number. Like if I had to, if I was like in jail. Yeah, I had to call right. my mother, which I probably wouldn't do. I would right. call Rob Castoria. <laughs> <laughs> You're better than me because I don't know my mother's phone number. Yeah, I mean, I know it's five one six something something. If she something. listens to this, if she listens to this, I'm in I'm in deep shit. I don't think your mom's gonna find out about the F bomb podcast. Yeah, you never reason. know, but you yeah. never know. I know my mom. I don't let her on my Facebook because I don't either. Hey, there's a question. You know, is. You know, my mom's not on my Facebook. She's not my friend. She sent me a friend request, and yeah, I denied and I, it. Same here. And my mother's like, "Why is your father on Facebook?" But I'm not. And I'm like, "Because my dad doesn't care what I what I do." Right. And my mom will see a picture from 2008 and be like, "What the hell were you doing?" And right. I'm like, "I don't know. It's 10 years ago. God right. damn it!" And there are just some things in my life that my mom doesn't need to know. I think, there's a lot know, of things all that better uh, off if she doesn't. Dave, know. there's some things we've shared that nobody else needs to know about. <laughs> <laughs> now this. Podcasts for things like that, but not all those things. Yeah, exactly. You know, 
some of the bodies got to stay buried, if you know what I'm saying. Not literally, maybe. Yeah, not, no, right. Anybody in law enforcement, there are no real literal. This is a metaphor. Well, not that we know of, at least. Yeah, well, I mean, at least not ours. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should get off of this right Yeah, now. let's move on back to the, uh, the main thrust of the story, which was right. we just played some music. Uh, we played some music from your band, from Strain. Strain, yeah. Do you have a song title for me here? Uh, Something, or you just want to send it along later? No, we'll send it along later because okay. I can't remember the title. That's good. That's <laughs> good. You've been, you've effectively erased that memory. <laughs> so, all right, picking it up. Alex okay. Rude joins Lick. Alex Rude joins Lick, and uh, Lick goes on to uh, play a bunch of shows. Yeah, you guys were kind of a thing for a while. Yeah, yeah, it was a good thing. Um, I think I probably did see you and not know that I was seeing you at the time because we didn't really know each other then. I mean, I knew Alex in 87 is when we met, so um, that might have been like I might have. And I'm sure we had met somewhere back in the past. somewhere We just didn't know that we had met until we started hanging out on a regular. Right. Uh, That happens a lot. Lick kicked around for about, uh, about what, five or six years or so. Okay. Or so on. Uh and uh we had a lot of fun. It's a great band. Uh you know, Roxy was a was a great songwriter and a great performer. Great front person. Um, from what I understand. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. Her and I were a bit of trouble. We got into a lot Alex kinda had to keep things under wraps. Yeah, or just sometimes just throw his hands up in the air and be like I you know, I know how Alex Alex takes his things very seriously, like when yeah. he's motivated to do oh, something. Yeah. And he was. Alex was definitely the uh the taskmaster of the band. He he's that guy. And, you, know, and you need that. Every band needs I that I work guy. with him every day, and he's so does his know, thing, you know? And every every band needs that guy. Word. Every every band needs Alex that Alex is a good guy for that. Absolutely. He's not going to be too overbearing about it. No. He'll just kind of be like, listen, we got to get this stuff done. Right. You know, and with us, it was like, listen, you guys need to show up sober so that we can get this done. Or, uh, yeah, not be out. I think the phrase he used one time was, uh, how come you guys show up for rehearsal and you look like you've been out mainlining Drano all night long? Well, he obviously doesn't know Late Night Dave. Right. Like, maybe we have. <laughs> With uh, everybody out there, we'll get into the Late Night Dave thing a little a little <laughs> bit on when we get down to that. Yeah, we can get, we can get into that a little later. Word. Uh, so, um, first so, so, Lick, um, five, six years, what time, what year did that end? Uh, Lick ended in uh, 2000, 2002, 2003. Okay. Um, and immediately after, uh, well, Roxy left, right. the singer. Did she move out of New York? I and think, uh, right? She stayed in New York for a little while. Okay. But uh, she just didn't want to do a band anymore. All right. Um, we had already, the original bass player had already had already left, just mm-hmm. disappeared on us, and we, we got a new guy in. Right. Um, and then Roxy, I guess, I think she just got tired of being in a band. It happens. Yeah. Uh, so she left. Alex and I tried to keep it going. Right. And uh, we uh, recruited a uh, uh, singer. Uh, I guess her name now is Uliana Silver. Okay. She's the singer from Silver, which was formerly uh, Me Talk Pretty. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. I know that. Um, but she was. Emma too? Yeah. Uh, but we had, uh, we had recruited her and we did a bunch of rehearsals and it, I think we all just kind of realized that we weren't right for each other. It wasn't it wasn't the spark was gone, yeah. and uh, or it didn't didn't ignite. We had also about that time is when I met Sebastian. Uh huh. And so we had uh, recruited Sebastian as the new bass player for Lick. Right. Okay. Uh, and Alex and I in our attempt to keep Lick going, and then Alex and I kind of we just both wanted to go in separate directions. Um, I don't think it was any anything bad because we're still great friends. Sure. 
But uh, he just wanted to do something different, and I wanted to do something different. So we went our separate ways, and mm-hmm. uh, Sebastian decided to stay with me. Okay. Alex moved to the very next, right, right next door, the rehearsal studio right next door. Right. This is when uh, we Still were rehearsing there. at... Uh, at Rivington Guitars. Oh, oh, okay. Guitars used to be right. next to Welcome to the Johnson. I remember when you had that room. Yeah, I Alex think, moved right next door. and uh, I think that room kind of played a role in the very earliest days of oh, yeah. F-Bomb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that room played the role played a role in a lot of things. I <laughs> can imagine. <laughs> not not too many for me, yeah. but I have been in that building more yeah. than once. That that room, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that another yeah. time. Well, we'll get to it later. But, uh, yeah, and uh, Sebastian and I... Uh, uh, went on the hunt for other musicians. Yeah. Uh, was Eric the original guitar player? Eric is the original guitar player, yeah. Okay. Um, How'd you find Eric? Uh, adding a voice again. Hey. You know? That shit works. And I mean, by this time, you know, the internet was up and running and live and well and very strong, but I'm, you know, a crusty old fuck. And hey, man. We're yeah. still working on, on the village voice. It's... Sad that that thing is no longer, I mean, there's the electronic version, but uh, it's sad that the Village Voice is no longer a thing. Yeah. A physical thing. And actually, you know, I remember when we got Sebastian, we met Sebastian, I remember the ad that I put in the paper. Um, uh, and I'm sure Alex remembers it, too. At the time, it was just Alex and I had placed an ad, and it said uh, something like, uh, uh, out-of-control drummer. And guitar player with God complex need bass player to keep us in line. <laughs> That's how you found Sebastian? That's how we found Sebastian. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to keep you guys in line. Right. Sebastian. Right. The same Sebastian. Right. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. And the stories of how that did not work out. Yeah. I Anybody don't involved. see him keeping a no. line in line. No. He, exactly. <laughs> but what did we know at the time? No, but, you know, he, that's Sebastian for you. You got to love him. <clears throat> Excuse me. He went for it. Um he was a good he was it, counterpart to you, Dave. He oh. was a good, good, uh, you know. Oh, absolutely, brother for you. Oh, absolutely, Sebastian and I, you know, were brothers for a long time, and that was the that was the founding of Honor Among Thieves, right there. It was Sebastian and Eric and I. Okay. And, uh, and was there a, an original singer before uh, we, get we went? To... We, yeah, we went. We went on the singer hunt. Uh huh. And. Um, I guess after coming out of a band with Roxy, I was kind of on this. I wanted a female singer. Okay. Um, so we started kind of hanging out at Bitch Night at Don Hills. Right. Sure. And so on like that. And, That's uh, a famous night at Don Hills where Lucifer had all the most talented and popular female singers in the neighborhood come down. And oh, absolutely. Definitely a huge influence on what F-Bomb would become, you know, with, yeah. the, with the variety of different vocalists. I could, sure, I could, I could see that. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, that and, was uh, a time period where... Sorry if I digress for a second. No, no, go but, for it, man. You know, go. That and uh, what was happening at Don Hills at the time. Yeah. Bitch and Squeezebox. Right. And uh, along with what Allegra and Lori S were doing at Meow Mix and uh-huh. other clubs under Acme, those were all the things that kind of fused in my mind to help me start what would be eventually grow into what F-Bomb, what F-Bomb is now. Is, is, which is great. Yeah. You know, uh, those were all, you know, I've, I don't know if, you know, for the people who don't know about that stuff or weren't a part of it, those were all great times. Yeah, man. I mean, that was like no, the beginning of this sort of like cover show, tribute show movement that's like becoming the only thing that's happening now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, those were, uh, those, those were great times. Those were great nights. And I mean, if you were part of the scene, if you are in it, you didn't miss those nights. No. 
I mean, you know, you half know, of you would be playing in them anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said earlier about, you know, something to do every single night. Well, yep. you know, those all fell on different nights. Sure. And, so, and particularly that, you know, that's another thing is promoters and everyone from bands and everything. I mean, we all looked at what everyone else was doing. We didn't want to clash with anyone else. Right. So this stuff all fell on, on different nights. And you could actually do like a successful party on a weeknight back then? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, nobody gave a fuck. People didn't. No, people but also I guess we were younger and had less things to worry about too. And we, you know, I mean, we were, you know, we were a generation that kind of knew how to do things and hold it together. Yeah, and also rents weren't ridiculous amounts of money back then either. Yeah, rents weren't out of control, but we were also, you know... Yeah, we could get up the next day and do what we had to do. Yeah, and we'd just power through it. I mean, you know you did it to yourself. You, <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're standing there, you know, on that 25th beer and that... Yeah, you know, and you know what's coming. Right, and you know you got to get up tomorrow. Yeah, or you're not going to get up because you're going to be up. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a decision you're going to have to make. Right, and live with. Yes, and so. then... You suffer, and then you get through it. Right, exactly. And some of us are still here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Not all of us, but some of us. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> um, it's an endurance contest, people. Rock and roll is an endurance contest. Dude. Yes, it is. It definitely is. Uh, where were we? Bitch night. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Because that's, that's a whole rabbit hole that we just... Don't yeah, have well, time to it go just, it's it's a long story, folks. Wow, it's a long story. You have no idea. Lots of nights, or maybe you do. Yeah, uh, you probably do. If you're listening to this, you probably do. You probably know what we're talking about. Exactly what we're talking about. Exactly what we're talking about. There's nobody listening to this podcast who doesn't know us. Right. Exact. Good point. Nobody's like, oh, two guys in New York I've never heard of. Let me listen to that <laughs> podcast. <laughs> anyway, bitch night. Bitch night. This is how. Uh, I think this is the story of how yeah, this somebody is, was lo- discovered. This was well, we had narrowed it down to uh, two singers that we were really interested in. Okay, um, and one of which, believe it or not, was a uh, uh, Pam Purple. Okay, or Purple Pam. Purple I always Pam. get it wrong. It's it Don't works either me. way. It works either way. Uh, she was one, and uh, this girl that we had met that we had seen, and I didn't really know her. Uh, Cherokee, Cherokee Fortune, Cherokee Fortune. Yeah. And uh, we uh, kind of decided, well, let's listen to Cherokee first. We knew Pam. Right. You know know what she brings to the table. Right. Seven octave range and badass attitude. Exactly. Badass attitude. You know, this monster range. I got to get Pam in here. Killer performance. You know, great stage performance. Um, And so we, uh, Cherokee had some time on her hands, so I think she, you know, just got scheduled first. Uh huh. And, uh, she came in, and um, we had a song. She wrote lyrics to a piece of music that we had written Okay, right there on the spot. That's a and good thing to do at a, yeah. at a tryout. Yeah. And she belted it out, and we were like, wow. But, of course, we didn't show it. You know, we were trying yeah. to be a cool and yeah, aloof. Be like, all right, well, we'll let you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> and she's like, okay, guys, well, call me. And she left. Uh-huh. And as soon as she walked out of the studio, we all looked at each other, and we were like, all right, Anyone who doesn't think she should be in the band, raise their hand now. Right. And it was a pretty unanimous decision. So we had called her before she got home. Okay. So she was already out yeah. the door and you were like, don't join another band. Right. Exactly. And uh, and that was it. Honor Among Thieves was formed. Wow. And what year was this? Uh, 2000. Cherokee joined in December, late December, or early January of 2000. Late December 2003 or early January 2004, somewhere in there. Okay. And uh, 
We played our first show uh, here in New York City, April 28th, 2004, at Don Hills with wow. Banana Fish Zero. All right. I must have been there. Uh, yes, I, yes I, you I, were. I was there. Yeah. Yes, I'm, yes, you were. Yes, okay. Um, after several months of uh, of uh, doing the uh, Three of Cups hype. Right. And uh, so on. And uh, if you know Cherokee, you know she's great at the hype. Yeah, was, Cherokee was a very uh, charismatic and captivating Actually, performer. Was charismatic, captivating. She was a person that easy on the knew. eyes. So you no, definitely, definitely wanted to you know, listen to whatever she had. You to know say. my story about Cherokee right. is how I met her in Hawaii right. before uh, anyone knew who the hell she was. Right. Like, and then I didn't know that I had met her when I met her again. And then it dawned on us that oh shit, like we both met each other in Maui in like uh, 1999. Right. So that was a weird story. Maybe someday I'll get to interview Cherokee via Skype or something, and we can do an episode about, you know. About that. About, about her. That. You know, because everybody that's been a part of this thing should be in enshrined in the F-Bomb podcast. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So, all right. So and that, was, that was the beginning of the roller coaster ride. Yeah. I, I've been on the roller coaster. I've been on that ride with you at, at points. Oh, yeah. And yep. I mean, you know, we did from then on, it was shows. I mean. We did a lot of shows together. You know, we did sure. a lot of shows with Supervillain. Supervillain. And uh, uh, just doing other tribute right. shows. Right. Those, those blush, the Steve Blush oh, the uh, Steve compilation blush was a big thing. Absolutely. For yeah. those who don't know, it was a compilation called New York City Rock and Roll. I think yeah. it had about 20 local bands on there. We're all on there. Sex Slaves and Banana for Zero and... and uh, te- Supervillain. Joker uh, 5 Speed. Joker 5 Speed, right. And sure. uh, who else was on there? Jack Citizen make that? I think so. They I think they had just Nick formed. And Blitch and yeah, yeah, I think so. It might have been a different lineup before Blitch. I don't know. No, I think it was. Wasn't it Nick, Blitch, and uh, Ansel or something? Was Ansel in that? I don't no, know. no. Whatever. The guitar player was. Uh... Oh, God. Uh, um... Kevin? No, Hare. Kevin Hare. No. What? I'm, why am I doing He's going to shoot me now for this because I know he's going to listen. Hare. I had the big, fizzy hair. He looks a lot like my friend Tony. So Rich, Richard Beanstalk. Okay, yeah. No, I'm thinking of Electric Black. That guy. Remember Electric Black? Yeah. What the hell band was that guy in? Oh crap, Johnny uh, or something? I uh, I don't remember. I don't know. There's so many bands. Yeah. There's been hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of bands. Yeah. And we're all a little foggy. Yeah. <laughs> we're two beers in on this interview, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's if a- you're keeping track at home, get out your f bomb scorecards. So. So that was it, you know, not among thieves, you know, we're off and running. Yeah, I mean, the, the last three interviews I did were John, uh, Tommy Von Voigt, Paul Berlino, and Rob Castoria, who none of them drink. So right. This is getting back into form here. This is, well, you know, this is what we do. Yeah. So, you know, I'll save it for the next time <laughs> when Fernando comes in or something. Right. Um, <laughs> just kidding, man. <laughs> I love you all equally, almost <laughs> so Honor Among Thieves Right That's happening Honor Among Thieves Yep We're out and running So um, what, what, what what happened? And uh, What happened with the, uh, As we started out This whole interview process With lineup changes uh, Yeah Cherokee getting, That was the first lineup change Yeah um, Cherokee left the band she, Cherokee left the band She went to go have a baby uh, Yeah She uh, You know She uh 
had wanted to have a baby, and she didn't want to raise her baby in New York. Right. She wanted um, to go back to California. Because I think the original plan was, you know, we were going to be happy, pretty happy to take a break. Right. And uh, when she was ready to come back. And uh, she didn't want to uh, raise her baby in New York. She had expressed plans to move to L.A. Right. And something like that. So we were like, all right, we got to find somebody new. Okay. And uh, and uh, we found uh, Tara Lauren. Okay. I remember that. Remember her? Yeah. Yeah. Brief. Uh... Yeah. She was with us for about eight months. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, we're still friends. Love Tara. It was a kind of a mutual agreement that we weren't right for each other. Okay. You know, band-wise. Uh we just weren't, uh, musically, we weren't what, you know, all parties involved wanted. I don't think we were what she wanted to do. Right. You know, and um, I don't think she was the singer that we were quite looking for. And uh, it was probably one of the easiest uh, band or band member leaving band conversations. Mutual. Yeah, yeah it was mutual. Cool, and uh, it's, it was pretty funny because we had the conversation and then we finished a rehearsal. <laughs> well, you know, you still want to play the music, you know. And uh, and then we went and we had some drinks, and uh, we were all, you know, and I mean, we're all still friends. That's great. That's not usually how things turn out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my only, if I had to pick one downside, it was that we didn't, uh, we didn't record. No recording came from that. Hmm. Um, okay. There's no video. There's no YouTube. Anything? There probably is some YouTube, and I know, I know Tara's got a bunch of pictures. She posts them up uh, from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's since gone on to other things and also gone on to uh, raising her son. She's doing that thing with J-Bomb. And, uh, right? No, that's uh, that's Rachel Lauren. Oh, Rachel Lauren. Okay, it's yeah, I got the two Different names. person. Same. I'm halfway right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, right. And I got to anyway. talk. You know, Tommy, Tara, cut I, that part out. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, Tara and I talk online, you uh-huh. know. Uh, the occasional phone calls here and there, and we talk. And uh, she's, you know, looking to get back into music, get back on the horse. Um, you know, uh, she's a single parent, so I imagine it's a little bit tougher. She can come do a song at Epom, you know, you never she, know. Yeah, you know. We give a call. If you, a listen this, if you listen to this, Tara, get in touch with Morgan, get in touch with Epom, go sing a song. Yeah, we're always open to having friends and family in there. There you go. So, okay. So, after Tara... Uh, after Tara, what what uh, kind uh, of spurred? I mean, Sebastian left somewhere. Yeah, that came. Uh, Is that before Maurice or after? No, it was after. We kicked around for a couple of years, uh-huh. um, looking for a singer. I right. think we had decided there were going to be no more crazy women or women. Right. We well, had, well, I mean, yeah. we were going to get a guy. Okay, and uh, we knew Maurice, uh, you know, from Trash Bar. Sure. And so we'd seen him sing at karaoke at Trash Bar and live band karaokes and stuff like that. And it just didn't click in our heads to ask him, probably because Sebastian and I were just drinking way too much tequila. Sure. That's what was kind of going on. Yeah. And, uh, Good thing that that's changed. Yeah. Nothing there has changed, folks. <laughs> Not at all. Well, maybe for Sebastian, but who knows? No, I talked to him the other day, and it hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> no. Okay. Just different different city. That's all. And, uh... We, we, you know, it was actually Sebastian who came up with the idea about asking Maurice. Really? And he okay. asked Maurice, and Maurice joined, and that's where we are. And, then, uh, you know, Maurice was a great fit, and as soon as he got comfortable, because uh-huh. you know how it is when uh, new band members join, even even though the fit is great, it takes a little while. Sure. And also when you're replacing uh, Especially when you're charismatic women, right. you know, uh, making a real shift, like, 
in the whole tone of the band. Yeah, and we had to scrap a lot of music. Yeah, because it was written for Cherokee. Sure. It was written for Tara. It was a higher pitch or whatever, and, uh, and it wasn't comfortable for Maurice. Right, and uh, and Maurice was also. I mean, he made it clear that he definitely wanted to uh, perform own. some songs that he had put his stamp on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, why writing. you would want a singer that would want to do that? Right. You know. So and that's uh, you know that was oh. Let's see, maybe 2007, 2006 it's or so. It's been seven, a while now. Yeah. When Maurice joined, yeah, and it's been a while, and we've been going strong ever since. Cool, man. So, like, uh, let's take another break. Yeah. We want to play some Honor Among Thieves, and maybe we'll do a double shot. We'll do some Cherokee era, and we'll do some Maurice. All right, cool. All right, so we'll be right back after these two messages, <laughs> by which I mean songs. Frozen pudding on a stick. 
You know, all the finest castles serve Jell-O pudding pops. They do? Mm -hmm. It's a snack fit for a king because it's so rich and creamy. Yeah! And Mom won't throw you into the old dungeon when you eat it because she knows it's made with real pudding. It is? Mm -hmm. Jell-O brand pudding pops. All the goodness of real Jell-O pudding made with milk so you know it's wholesome. A veritable feast for the tummy. And I won't end up in the dungeon. <laughs> stuff and we're back <laughs> with pudding pops little shout out to uh bill cosby there right on I don't know. that's too bad about bill because i like pudding pops they yeah well you know you can always have tuscan pops if you're not averse to like buddy hackett <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he uh drugged anybody well he might have <laughs> well nobody we know of you never know i mean it might have been like i don't know yeah. Lola Brigida, Gina Lola Brigida yeah, or something. Gina Lola Brigida. Right on. <laughs> Buddy Hackett and Gina Lola Brigida. Hey, it's like match game in here, people. Let's look for that on Facebook tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not on Facebook. Those people are dead. Uh, maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Oh, Buddy Hackett is, isn't he? He is, yeah, but he I don't is. know about Gina Lola Brigida. Right, Gina, if you're listening, let us know. Yeah, okay? get in touch, Gina. Maybe. It's been too long. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell that we're on our third beer? Yeah, we're, Usually we're, we're doing pretty well. Yeah, it's not bad for us. Yeah. That's like lightweight Sunday afternoon drinking. Yeah. Which is, that's not, that's pretty good because, <laughs> you know, if this was like, you know, Thursday night drinking, we'd be slurring. I wouldn't that. be interviewing people in Three of Cups bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember, you know, let's talk about that for a moment, that, you know, those Three of Cups nights. Yeah. 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 I'm Super Morgan DJing. That and went on I, for 16 years, man. I think some of my some of my favorite moments were there's just this, you know, this look that would come over your face <laughs> whenever somebody would come up and ask, you know, make a request. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I do have a copy of a email that Mummy printed out for me, and it just says, "Why is Morgan such a dick, <laughs> Gary?" 
And it's some guy named Gary, and I found him on Facebook. Oh, nice. Like, and I was like, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, he sent the email like during MySpace era, and then I found him like wow. years later on Facebook. Nice. I was just like, hey, fuck you. Nice. But you know what? I was being a dick back then. And but you know what? You know what? Those, I mean, listen, those I, were a lot of good times. I mean, it was, you know. I was going through some things back then, too, as people might were, remember. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, I mean, that was Three of Cups was... There was a lot of things with a lot of different people. I shouldn't say was, is, because yeah, it still, it still is. I mean, it's a place where people get to go and exercise their id. Yeah, absolutely. And just be completely free to be who they are. Abs- absolutely. Jimmy Walker, I'm talking to you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I mean, I can't make one specific day because they all melt into each other. Yeah. But it's been a decade and a half of... Oh, there were some uh, good times. There were some great times, and there were some adventures, and uh, just some uh, some things that happened that were like, did that really awesome things? Awesome, terrible, uh, things. awesome things. Some terrible things. Some absolutely hysterical things. Yeah, expensive things. Just Lots all sorts of, of crazy things. shit. Yeah, violent things and sexy the one, things. The violent. There wasn't a whole lot of violence. No, but when it happened, it happened. Right, like, and it I was remember, usually among friends, so it ended as quickly sure. as it started. I do remember once when Mickey was smashing some guy with a door, and oh, yeah. people were kicking him from outside and inside the door because he was trapped oh, yeah. in between. I don't know. This was like an afternoon story, but it's on video. Yeah. There's some good videos. There's some, there should be oh, a compilation. <laughs> compilation of Three of Cups videos? <laughs> yes. Is there a Facebook group uh, if, if the Three of Cups bathroom could talk? Like, yes, there is. There was one. I think... Uh, there were a lot of things that happened there. That's a very restricted private Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's some not-so-private events. Yeah. Well, I mean, F-Bomb kind of started out of the whole culture of Three of Cups. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's, as far back as I can remember from F-Bomb, I mean, it, you know, um, it started out and still is, you know, a collection of friends. Yeah, it's it's a family, you, you know, know right. in a lot of ways. And um, I think it's been about 13 years now. Has so, it been that long? That's, yeah, it has. That's, that's great. Congratulations. So I started doing DJing at Cups in 2000. Right. Or 1999. And um, I guess just that whole... Cups was a central location for rock and roll, especially in the earlier days when it was just like, oh, it absolutely was ringing three thousand dollars on a Monday night, just everybody, ridiculous. Well, everybody knew. I mean, that was you yeah. know that was Cups was the the rock yeah, and roll. It's almost kind it's of almost twenty years later. People have had children that are almost able to drink at Cups now. Well, that's scary. Thanks yeah. a lot for thanks a lot. As, as I'm as oh, I'm sure. thinking to myself, oh, maybe I'll go to Cups tonight. Like, yeah, well, maybe we will go to Cups tonight. <laughs> well, maybe we won't. Who knows? Right. But uh, who knows? I mean, Pam Grande told me that she quit bartending when she was at Otto's and Todd Youth's daughter came in and yeah, was like, hey, I'm Todd Youth's daughter. I think you know my dad. And she was like, I got to get the fuck out of this job. <laughs> <laughs> that that would do it. Kids are drinking here at the bar where I'm still working at. Uh, fuck this. I'm moving upstate. That that would that actually happened to me at Cups. So, yeah. yeah. I think it was Abijah, like yeah. Todd's kid. Yeah. yeah, That happened to me at Cups. I was talking to a girl and hit very clearly hitting on this girl. And, and whoops. Somebody mentioned my last name, and she said, oh, you went to high school with my dad. And I was oh, like, oh, God. Yeah, I, I got to go. I wasn't hitting on anyone, but I was on the Murphy's Law uh, Jimmy Gestapo birthday party boat thing uh-huh. last year. And Tommy Carroll was there, and I haven't seen him in a long, long time. And his daughter was there. And I'm like, man, the first, the last time I saw you, you were in your mom's belly. And now you're having a drink with me. And I proceeded to sort of wax 
nostalgic and be like, I can't believe it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was embarrassing. It's funny when you do that and you completely forget about how much you hated it when, like, you know, our parents' friends did that to sure. us. <laughs> I mean, I actually have a photograph of a party where my mom is at and Lenny Kay is there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's in my mom's photos. It's okay. Like, I'm like, holy shit, that's Lenny K. <laughs> <laughs> Who I hope to get in on this show at some point. But anyway. And there's a good story. To, you, Lenny you know, K, I'm sure, about. has a lot of good stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of which are about Frank Wood. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's get back on this. All right, back on track. Yeah. We're going to talk about F-Bomb for a few minutes. Yeah, let's do that. To man. round this thing out, Dave is currently still doing Iron Monk Thieves. They've been playing a lot lately, doing some good shows with some. We're trying, you know, some We're, good, good, uh, good bills. We're trying. Thank you, thank you. And uh, you know, you guys seem to be really pushing it out there. I we didn't really talk about your bass player now, David Alva. Yep, David. Uh, you know, just you know, really quick. I mean, I played when Sebastian left. Um, I've been playing with David for I guess for about a year in Dead Rocking Horse right. with Marin, which we didn't touch on that either. Right. But yeah, and uh, so he was the natural choice. Uh huh. Uh, uh, because we had a great rapport, great rhythm section rapport. Right. Um, and he was, for me, he was the natural choice. The other guys didn't really know him, and uh, they wanted to hold auditions, and I really didn't want to do now, that. what band was he in before? Uh, uh, he was in uh, Stonefire before that, Right, that's it? it. Okay, yeah, they right. played F-Bomb a lot of times. There was Zeppelin. Yeah. yeah, okay. Right. So uh, I get him crossed up with the party death guys somehow <laughs> in my mind. Oh, yeah, no, he's definitely, that's, he's definitely not one of the party death. Uh, was Dave into party death? I don't know. He talks about it. He might have been for like He a was minute. just part of that era of those guys, that like yeah. crew, with that like that younger crew that came around. Yeah. He might have been in that band for a minute or so. Maybe. But, I don't know. You know we'll, uh, we'll, I'll ask him when he comes in here. Yeah. Get him in here. Sure. And ask him that. Everybody, all are welcome. He was, uh, he was the natural fit, so it's been great, you know. Um, right on. And, you know, onwards we keep going. And that's great. And you're going to never stop. Never. Please never, don't. You never. and me keep each other honest. I'm not stopping. We I'm, do. I'm not stopping. You don't stop. I'm just getting more into it as the time goes by, man. Getting right. More yeah, and more serious it, it, about it, my craft. You know, it kind of gets a lot more fun. And I mean, look look where you've gone. You know, let's talk about F-Bomb. I mean, you started F-Bomb and you're, yeah. you know, uh, it's, I remember. It's slowly, I remember it, slowly building, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you went through a couple. I'll do the interview now. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Yeah, everybody wants to hear me ramble on. I mean, F-Bomb went through, you know, it didn't even start as F-Bomb. It went through some name changes, didn't it? Yeah, it was Dirty Bomb, based on the whole 9-11 thing. I mean, Rocket and I virtually started the party. That was like the first thing in the front of every New Yorker's mind at that point in time. You know, it was a few years after, obviously, because you don't want to make a joke about that shit. But we we, we thought, hey, this is a New York thing. Let's own that shit. And, uh... We started out just doing DJing stuff at Delancey because we knew Georgie Seville. He hooked us up with a night, and we just DJed. And then we started adding Go-Go Girls, and then that turned into one night. I think we did a tribute to the Misfits or something with Gita Gash and Mike Lynn and Rick Rocket and me singing. And that, I think Sid, little Sid Scantleberry, was did a set of something. And the first thing I really remember being a set that was intentional, that was like the beginning of what F-Bomb is now, was when we did hair metal, number one. I remember that. There's been five now. <laughs> but the first one was a special one because that was just like the launching ground for all the cover shows. Hair metal, you know, hair metal's always a good a 
a good spot to, to cover. I remember what we did. We did Say What You Will with Fast Eddie, Fast Way, who just <laughs> yeah. passed this Pass week. Fast Away. Rest in peace, Fast Eddie. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, we did a Little Runaway, or Runaway by Run- Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. I remember that. Turn right? Up the Radio. Yeah. I think Adam Kramer Autograph. was in the set. Yeah. And uh, we rehearsed at the... At your old spot. Uh, yeah, there. that's right. I think Ray West was involved in some level or something. He was there. Yeah, he was there. Ray was Ray was there. He was in the room because I don't. I think that was the first time I had met Ray. <laughs> you know, like I know DeLuca and I know right some other dudes from that band, but that was my first time meeting Ray, and uh, that was in your famous in, studio. In that, in, that's right. That was in uh, that the that corner room, that last room at Rivington. Yep. Serious. Lots of uh, that room's been good for a lot of things. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm just mentioning her room. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Let's move. Let's, let's stay on, <laughs> you know, stay on task. Here. I think we're getting a little wobbly on the storyline here. But um, you were a, a very important and instrumental member of the early days of F-Bomb. You haven't done it much recently because the scheduling is you're busy. Well, I mean, we haven't even talked about your audio, yeah. you know, your, right. your mixing and all that shit that you do. I mean, how did you get into that real quick? Uh, it became, you know... Uh, I wanted to be more involved in music, and I wanted to make my living in music. And uh, sometimes, you know, you're living your, your record deal. As I told a, a really good friend one time, uh, Blitch and I were talking, mm-hmm. and he was contemplating a uh, a change, a, a change in life or whatever. And I, and I said, you know, your record deal doesn't always come in the package you think it's going to come in, right? Um, and uh, you know, he took that and he ran with it. And I mean, he went on. And But for me, I wanted to be involved in music. I always want to be involved in music. So uh, I started mixing bands. I started learning to mix okay. um, and get better at it because I wanted bands to sound good. I was tired of going to shows and um, seeing my friends who had put all this time and effort into rehearsal and blah, it sounds like crap. Sure. And um, I kind of started hanging around with Night Bob at Don Hills and looking over his shoulder. And I mean, I had a basic understanding of it all. And I just started, you know. Started doing it on your own. Where'd you start out doing it? Doing it on my own. Uh, I mixed uh, a few a few small clubs. I mixed this little place downtown called uh, Tribeca Blues. It used to be down like on Murray Street. Okay. And then uh, Trash Bar. Right, and it just kept growing. And it, it just kept growing. And now you're And at, now I'm at, you know, what are we today? PlayStation, PlayStation yeah, Vaudeville, whatever, the, whatever Theater. Whatever name they want to call it, but I mean, you know, it's, it's a top-of-the-line venue. Yeah, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Yo-Yo Dines Propulsion Systems Yo-Yo, Theater? That might be the next name. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shout out to Buckaroo Banzai. Shout out. Yeah, and if you haven't seen Buckaroo Banzai, you really should because... It's awesome. It's probably one of my favorite Or ones. you'll hate it. Now it's probably one of my favorites. You're gonna love it. Yeah, uh, but okay. That, so that's that good. That. Uh, thanks a lot, Dave. Buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now you're doing big time front of house mixing for the PlayStation Theater. Uh, yeah, and that's the money gig, which allows me to mix my friends. Yep. You know, and bring. Uh, you know. Uh, I guess you can look at it as giving back if you want to look at it that way, but I don't because I make my friends pay me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so don't don't right. look at it that way. No, uh, but <laughs> that's taking. It's not giving. Dave. But uh, it, it it allows me to to bring some of the expertise that I've learned to my scene to my friends um, that they can rest assured they can I can guarantee them that they're going to sound good on stage. If people go see them. That they're going to have a great sound, which is, you know, overall, people don't remember 
the general public they don't they don't decipher that oh the sound was bad or the lights sucked or this they either had a good time or they had a bad time. Sure. So the whole package has got to be good. The whole package has got to be um, has got to give people a good time, you know. And I think you know let's get back on track because that's that's what f bomb is. Uh, a good time. It's, it's a good time, you know. For me, you know, when I've whether I'm performing, which hasn't been in a while, haven't haven't performed an f bomb. No, but well, if you're I'm just there welcome. hanging out, it's a good time. Yep, and I'm having a good time. Yeah, uh, you see, I think one of my favorite parts is you get to see a lot of uh, your favorite local musicians, or even if you're not local musicians, you don't know, but you see them out of their element. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. You see them away from their regular bands. I'm not going to use the term out of their comfort zone because we're musicians. We're not out of our comfort zone if we're on stage, if we're playing. But you get to see them in a different light and you get a different insight into them. It's 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 interesting to work with hundreds of people over the years. You know, I get to work with almost everybody that I know that's a musician. Right. And, and that's uh, got to be great. They get to work with each other. And then uh, bands are born out of it. and Relationships are born that's, out of it. and That's the fun part for you me. Know, things you happen. Know? People... Break up, bands break up, but f bombs always there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I hope to be around for a while. Well, I I think it will be. I mean, you know, I can speak on 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 my own behalf. You know, I got to I got an opportunity to work with uh, one of my favorite guitar players, um, who you know, just by hook or crook, by chance, we've never been in a band together, right, or something like that. Um, but I've always wanted to play with Joe Hogan. Okay. Yeah, we're great friends, and we hang out together all the time. And we did a Iron Maiden f bomb. Yep. And I, you know, I got an opportunity to play with Joe Hogan, Fernando. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who else was Dave Walters in that for me when he was living here? Oh so yeah, Milwaukee Dave. Milwaukee Dave, Dave, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Wow. You know, uh, <laughs> and you. I mean, you and I have never been in a band together. No. Well, you know, and but, you we've know, done we... a couple f bombs, and I'm, you know, I've, I've got the opportunity to work with you. But we've always been big supporters of each other, sure. so it's pretty, pretty special for me to be able to work with you. And get I mean, to play. it's it's fun for me to just be at the center of all these connections, and you know, even though it's frustrating and difficult, and sometimes it's expensive or whatever, but it's thankless at yeah, points. But, but you, know, you know what? It's worth it. It's always worth it. There are a couple of names. You know, you, you kick around a few names around around this scene and around the New York rock scene. I mean, you say Super Morgan, everybody knows who we're talking about. You know, yeah. Doesn't, unless they think I'm King Morgan. You know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, but, but you know what I mean? I um, do. I mean, I, you know, this sounds very self-centered, but I want people to know who the fuck I am. Good. No, it's I've been not putting the time in that's, for years. That's That's what we do. Yeah. You know, is we want people to know, and we want we want to use that to get other people involved and make things. You know, give other people a good time. Word that came out totally wrong, but <laughs> with three beers in, yeah, just three beers though, Dave. That's that's like nothing for us. It shouldn't be much. But Sunday afternoon, yeah, yeah, it's a nice mellow day before Martin Luther King Day. Right on, and um, I guess that's about it, really, man. I think we've covered all the bases, Dave. I think so. I mean, I think people, uh, if you listen to this, uh, you probably, if you haven't been, you should probably go to an F-bomb. It's a, it's a party like not like what you're expecting. And you should definitely check out Honor Among Thieves. Cool. And uh, thanks a lot, Dave, for coming in. Thanks, uh, We have a little ritual. Man. Hey, man, it's, you're it's welcome. Been a great time. Happy to, happy to have you. I right was on. excited when I booked you. We have a little ritual that we end the show with. Okay. 
being as how I DJ'd for all those years over at Cups, what I do is I say, name a band, and I will pick a track by that band, and we'll play it as the outro to the interview. So name one of your favorite bands. Name one of my favorite bands. Good God, I have so many favorite bands, but I am by far, well, everybody says Led Zeppelin, I'm going to say Van Halen. All right, man. So I'm going to pick a badass Van Halen song to play us out. Ladies and gentlemen, Hot Summer Nights by Van Halen. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to the F-Bob Podcast. And we're going to have Michael Payton here next week. So check it out. Thanks a lot to Dave Brooks, Honor Among Thieves, Thanks and for having me, everybody. Boy. And talk to you next time. Peace right out. On.